This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 148, How to Get to the 0% Tax Bracket to Find the Power of Zero, with David McKnight. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Well, hello there. Welcome to our latest episode. I have a question for you as we get our episode started today. Do you have a crystal ball? I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Do you know the future? Because I would love to know. (laughs) Uh, The truth is none of us have that crystal ball. And we don't know how to predict the future of anything, much less something as innocuous as taxes. Heck, if I had a crystal ball, first thing I'd do is figure out when the Cubs are going to win the World Series again. And right after that, I'd look to see what tax rates are going to do. Maybe I'm a weird one. But regardless, we have someone on our podcast today who has done a significant amount of research looking into this topic and to help us guide us into peering into the murky, foggy future. And his name is David McKnight. David has graduated from Brigham Young University with honors in 1997. And over the past 20 years, David's helped put thousands of Americans on the road to the 0% tax bracket. He's made frequent appearances in Forbes, USA Today, New York Times, Fox Business, CBS Radio, Bloomberg Radio, Huffington Post, Reuters, CBNBC, Yahoo Finance, Nasdaq.com, you get the picture, MarketWatch, all of them, numerous other national publications. His best-selling book, The Power of Zero, has sold over 200,000 copies, and the updated revised version was published by Penguin Random House just last year in 2018. It finished as number two as the most sold business book in the world when it published. And in 2019, The Power of Zero was ranked number nine best financial resource in the country by Forbes magazine. And this book was recently made into a full-length documentary film entitled The Power of Zero, The Tax Train is Coming. So as the president of David McKnight & Company, he mentors hundreds of financial advisors from around the country who specialize in the Power of Zero retirement approach. And he and his wife, Felice, have seven children and live, well, I'll let you uh, listen carefully for where they live today. So with that cliffhanger, I know you're going to enjoy today's interview with David McKnight. David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So you obviously have a, a paradigm that's not average, and we're not so average here on our podcast. But would you mind telling us the conversation you have with groups that you speak with? Yeah, so I, like you said, I do a lot of speaking. I'm crisscrossing the country every year, uh, talking to not just financial advisors, but talking to members of the, of, of the general public. And I always ask them a question starting out, how many of you think that tax rates in the future are likely to be dramatically higher than they are today? And you know what? Everybody raises their hand and says, yes, I, I believe it. I mean, clearly they're watching the news, they're paying attention. Uh, to the debt as it continues to spiral out of control. They're watching what's happening um, with unfunded obligations for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And I'm sure were I to ask that same question in the wake of the, the, the CARES Act, COVID-19 stimulus you know, funding, they would all uh, raise their hands even more earnestly. 
but then I ask them a follow-up question. I say, okay, how many of you have the lion's share of your retirement savings in tax-deferred vehicles like 401ks and IRAs? And you know what? Nearly every single person in the room raises their hand. And what that tells me is that what Americans are thinking and what they truly believe in their heart of hearts is not aligned with what they're actually doing as it relates to preparing for retirement. So what my job is and what your job is uh, really is to try, try to raise as much awareness as possible among retirees and pre-retirees that are marching into a very uncertain future where, where tax rates are almost certainly going to be higher than they are today. We got to help them bridge that disconnect between what they believe and what they're actually doing about it. And so that's really been part of my mission for the last uh, 15 or 20 years. And it's, uh, it's what I talk about on my podcast, what I talk about on my books, uh, what we talked about in, in the movie, then in the documentary that we made. And so it's a pretty uniform theme in just about um, everything we talk about. Well, and your book has been uh, well established in the in the financial sector, but overall too, I think it it launched in September 2018, and it was the number two most sold business book in the world, and and now it's being republished, I, I believe. Is that right? Uh, so, so, so the book was actually originally written in 2014. Um, it was updated and revised to um, to account for the tax um, for the tax cuts in, in 20 at the end of 2017. Um, and we put in a new chapter in, in there in terms of what had happened to all the debt and the fiscal condition of our country over uh, the intervening five years between when I wrote it and when we up 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 when we uh, revised it. And then when we relaunched it, that's when it, when it really had uh, all the success and it and it sold um, all the all the copies. So it's it's really I think you know I wrote that thing uh, originally as a self published book. I threw it out on Amazon, crossed my fingers and and hope for the best. And here we are, gosh, you know, six years later, it's sold over 250,000 copies and it's really uh, become, become sort of this mainstay in, in people's minds when it comes to tax-free retirement plans. So it's really been, you know, really been an interesting turn of events that uh, uh, the message of that book, the more time goes on, the less it fades, the, the more it becomes poignant and urgent uh, as uh, the debt and the fiscal condition of our country exacerbates over time. Well, I know many of our listeners at least have an inkling of what you're describing in, in, the, in your context of the fiscal situation of this country. But would you mind just clarifying it from your perspective? What are you seeing? How do you evaluate the landscape of the fiscal situation and the debt that our country's in right now? Yeah, so... The, the problem when you boil it down to the, 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 the brass tax here is that we are borrowing money every year to be able to pay for things that we can't afford. And, and, the, and, the, and the biggest uh, budgetary items that are driving all of, all of this problematic math for our country are Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. So uh, as of right now, we borrow a trillion dollars per year to be able to pay for Social Security and Medicare. Uh, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but by the time 2030 rolls around, uh, it's gonna go up to $2 trillion per year. It's eventually gonna go up to $3 trillion per year. Um, and we're, we're just gonna get to a point where, based on current tax rates, all of the revenue flowing into the US Treasury isn't going to be enough to even pay the interest on all that debt let alone any of the principal, let alone a single dollar for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, or any of the other things that it takes to run the federal government. So 
Uh, we're kicking the can down the road, as uh, former Comptroller General of the federal government, David Walker, said, you know, with these tax cuts that we had in 2018, we ate the dessert before we ate the spinach. You know, anytime you have tax cuts, you should have a, a commensurate cut in spending. Not only did we lower taxes, but we increased spending over the next 10 years to be able to pull it off. So really, the federal government doesn't seem to have any urgency in terms of resolving this. So they keep kicking the can down the road. Uh, the, pr the, the, the problem worsens. And the fix on the back end becomes all the more draconian. And most experts seem to believe that since you can't print your way out of the Social Security or Medicare problem because those dollars are, are paid for with sort of inflated dollars as inflation goes up, the cost of those programs goes up. So you can't really print your way out of the problem. Then you've got very few options left. So most people believe that even 10 years from now, tax rates have to be dramatically higher than they are today to keep our country from going bankrupt or for defaulting on our debt, uh, which means that people who have saved the lion's share of their retirement savings in 401ks and IRAs, uh, they don't really know how much money they have because unless they can accurately predict what tax rates are going to be when they take that money out, you know, who knows? So you could have a million dollars in your IRA or 401k, but unless you can accurately predict what those tax rates are going to be when you take the money out, you don't really know how much money you have. And so it's amazing to me to see that Americans continue to plow money into 401ks and IRAs hand over fist, um, even knowing uh, that, that, that in their heart of hearts that tax rates have to go higher down the road. And so, like I said, that's our job is to get the, get the message out on this. You bet, David. Well, the tax deferred vehicles were created by the very government that now has control over what they'll take out of them in the future. You know, I've, I've even thought, about it, thought of it like, going trick-or-treating as a kid. You leave your house, you get uh, approached by a couple of bullies, and they tell you, hey, David, as much candy as you want to uh, collect, that's fine, but we're going to take some of it from you when you get back home. And you say to them, well, how much do you plan to take? Are you going to take all my candy or what? And they, and they look at each other and they say, well, we'll vote on it when you get back. How motivated would you be to collect all that candy if you knew yeah that they had the right to take any amount they wanted when you returned. It just, yeah. it, it, it's crazy to me. So, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. And to put a finer point on it, let's say that those bullies are, um, have, have borrowed $20 trillion <laughs> in candy up to that point and they, and there's interest uh, uh, that's compounding on that candy. So is that something that you would do? Would you feel um, confident allowing them to be in control of that decision of how much your candy they get to keep. So yeah, very great example. Wow. So what are the five key principles of the power of zero paradigm? What, what is it that we need to know about the power of zero paradigm? If this is the first time we've ever heard of this, what do we need to know? Okay, so uh, I'll share with you the five takeaways that I share with, and really I'm going to throw in a bonus takeaway because you seem like a really nice guy. Um, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that I, I, I like to tell people is that there's mathematically speaking, we're past the point of no return. Tax rates in the future are, are obligated to be dramatically higher than they are today. They're, mathematically speaking, there's no way around it. Uh, politicians can, can talk their way around it, but when the push comes to shove, tax rates are going to have to go up. Uh, number two is the only way to truly insulate yourself from the impact of higher taxes is to get to the 0% tax bracket. Why? Because if you're in the 0% tax bracket and tax rates double, two times zero is still zero. So, um, you know, so we, we talk about the 0% tax bracket, even though really the 0% tax bracket doesn't technically exist. You can actually, through a series of strategies and tax moves during your working years, 
you can actually position yourself such that you're not paying any tax at all in retirement while everyone else's taxes are getting jacked through the roof. So that's that's my second point. My third point is I've been doing this for a very long time. I've helped put thousands of people on the road uh, to the uh, to the 0% tax bracket over the last 20 years and I've noticed something very interesting. It is nearly impossible to get to the 0% tax bracket by relying on just one stream of tax-free income. It takes multiple streams of tax-free income. Uh, we're, we're talking uh, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, Roth conversions, uh, taking money out of your IRAs up to your standard deduction uh, tax-free. Um, we, we have something that I talk about in the Power Zero. It's uh, chapter five, the LIRP, which is there's a way to use a life insurance policy to have nearly unlimited tax-free growth that gives you a death benefit that doubles as long-term care. So that can be part of the equation. And if you can stay below the thresholds that, that can cause your social security to be taxed, then your social security can also be tax-free. So we like to see people have anywhere from four to six different streams of tax-free income. So that would be principle number three. Uh, principle number four is, look, you know, people used to say, hey, Dave, winter tax rates going up. And I'd say, I used to say, hey, you know, maybe 10 years from now, uh, in some distant, unknowable future, tax rates are likely to be higher than they are today. Well, guess what? We now know the year and the day when tax rates will go up. It's January 1st, 2026. And every year between now and then represents a mini window of opportunity within which to enjoy historically low tax rates. And every year that goes by where we fail to take advantage of historically low tax rates is potentially a year beyond 2026 when we could be forced to pay the highest tax rates we're likely to see in our lifetime. And uh, takeaway number five is that not only is there a tax sale going on right now, but the market is a little bit depressed because of the COVID-19. Therefore, uh, you know, the cost of getting into the 0% tax bracket or into the tax-free bucket is you got to be willing to pay a tax. Well, right now is a great time to be paying taxes if you want to get money into the tax-free bucket. Your portfolio is down, so you're paying taxes on a lower amount. Uh, pay tax on the lower amount, let that money recover in the tax-free bucket. Uh, so, so really the cost of getting to the 0% tax bracket has never been as low as it is right now. And then my final takeaway, my bonus takeaway is, is this, you know, a couple months ago, a lady came up to me and she said, Hey, Hey Dave, uh, now I'm in a really bad mood. You know, this is after my presentation. I said, well, why are you in a bad mood? And I said, and she said, because I've got all my money in the tax deferred bucket. You know, she had all her money in, in 401ks and IRAs. And I said, well, let me see if I got this right. You contributed money to your 401ks and IRAs at a period in time when tax rates were likely much higher than they are today. And you got a deduction at those higher rates for doing so. We're now at historically low tax rates. You have six years during which to enjoy historically low tax rates, get the tax deferred money shifted and repositioned to tax free so that by the time tax rates potentially double over time. You've done all the heavy lifting and then you can then take that money out tax-free. I said, is that what's got you in such a bad mood? And she goes, well, gosh, Dave, I never really thought of it that way. So really, it's like I said, in the history of our country, there's never been a better time to embrace power of zero type planning. There's never been a better time to get to the 0% tax bracket. We've been, uh, as you said, the dessert's been uh, served up first, but if we make the most of this moment, we can pay our taxes while they're on sale. What are the risks of the power of zero paradigm? What are we missing here? Well, I, gosh, you know, I'm, I've been asked that question a lot. What could go wrong? And the only thing I can think, I mean, really, 
we when people say, hey, look, should I really implement a power of zero type approach to retirement? I said, that's up to you. It all comes down to what you think will be the future of tax rates. If you think that your tax rate in the future will be even 1% higher than it is today, then it makes sense for you to systematically reposition your assets to tax-free. Uh, well, um, they, I guess there is a chance, there's a possibility that tax rates in the future could be lower. Mathematically, like I said, I'm not sure how that could possibly happen. But if for some reason, right when you retire, uh, the President of the United States and Congress decide to commit financial suicide by lowering taxes, uh, thereby driving more, more debt through the roof, then I suppose at that point it could have been a bad move. But I don't think there's anyone who has studied history, is good at math, that thinks that tax rates in the future are going to be lower than they are today. Sure. Well, and you know, one of the things I hear oftentimes, David, I'm not sure if you would uh, hear this or not, uh, but many clients will come and they'll say, well, you know, Mark, it's, it's just common knowledge that we'll all be in lower brackets, tax brackets in retirement. We're not going to be earning a paycheck anymore. Uh, we'll be in a lower bracket. What do you say when you hear, if you ever hear that, what, what comes to your mind? Well, I say all of the deductions that you experience during your working years literally vanish in the thin air right when you need them the very most. Uh, your house, did, your deduction on the interest on your mortgage is gone. Your kids have moved out. They're no longer a meaningful source of tax savings. And that's a big deal because your kids are a tax credit, right? I got seven kids. Once I figure that out, I never look back. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's a huge part of it. Um, you're no longer contributing to your 401k or IRA. Um, so that's a, that's a big deal. And, you know, if you're a charitable person, you probably say, Hey, look, I'm not going to write that check out to the soup kitchen anymore. I'm going to walk down to the soup kitchen and ladle the soup myself. So your charitable deductions may not be as high. So, uh, really all you have left is what we call the standard deduction. So you may have had 60, 70, $80,000 of deductions during your working years. And now you have, uh, you have a standard deduction. Uh, I remember I was listening to a radio show. A lady calls in. She says, I don't understand. I'm making less money in retirement, but I'm paying more in taxes. How is that possible? Radio show host says, don't tell me about your deductions. She says, deductions? I ran out of those a long time ago. And he says, oh, I think I understand your problem. So will we necessarily be in the lower tax bracket? Uh, not necessarily. I think that more and more studies are coming out showing that you do not spend less money in retirement. Uh, you know, in retirement, every day is a Saturday. And what do people do on Saturdays? They go to Home Depot. They spend a lot of money. Um, there used to be this notion that you spend 80% of what you did during your, during your working years. And I think that more and more people are starting to realize that that's not necessarily going to be the case. Absolutely. Well, you brought up some particular products and strategies. You brought up the Roth 401k. You brought up the LIRP life insurance strategy, which we're very fond of. Uh, we, we use the bank on yourself concepts and talk about it here on our podcast quite a bit. So tell us a bit more about some of the particular things you yourself are doing, if you'd be willing, to minimize taxes. What tactics, what strategies, what particular methods are you using uh, with products and lifestyle decisions? I mean, having a bunch of kids, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it certainly would go a long way towards keeping Social Security solvent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've done a couple of different things, uh, the biggest of which which not every one of your listeners is going to be able to replicate in their own lives is I moved to Puerto Rico. <laughs> so Puerto Rico says that if you have a qualifying business, uh, you can move to Puerto Rico and live there. Um, we sold our house in Wisconsin. We now live in Puerto Rico. Um, and they waive your federal tax, they waive your state tax, and they charge you a flat 4% tax. So it's 
you know, it's like knocking a zero off your tax bill. They waive your capital gains, short-term, long-term. Uh, so really everything that I save at this point in my life is like saving in a Roth IRA. So um, really that's a big part of my tax-free strategy, but also I, I put quite a you know fair amount of money into my LIRP, my life insurance retirement plan. Um, I'm, I'm over, you know, the problem with the, with the Roth IRAs, you have income limitations. You make north of $206,000 in modified adjusted gross income. You can no longer do Roth IRAs. So um, the LIRP doesn't have income limitations. So that becomes a very attractive way to accumulate money in a tax-free environment. David, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but say that, say that again, because I think a lot of folks aren't aware of that. Or if they feel like they've already been phased out of Roth IRAs, uh, they feel like they have no other recourse. So tell us more about that. There's no income limitations. Yeah. So, so if you wanted to do a Roth IRA, the IRS says, Hey, you know, the Roth IRA is for Main Street America. We're not going to let Bill Gates do a Roth IRA. So you make, you make uh, more than $206,000 of modified adjusted gross income. You can no longer do, you know, the traditional Roth IRA. Um, the life insurance retirement plan, the LIRP does not have any link income limitations at all. I got clients that do $50 a month. I got clients that do 200,000 per year and everywhere in between. So it becomes, a way to grow money in a very efficient way. I mean, um, who's the, the coach from Michigan? It's either John or Jim Harbaugh. I can't remember which one. I think it's John Harbaugh. Um, they actually paid him as part of his uh, retirement incentive package at Michigan. They actually paid him with an LIRP uh, because they could put unlimited amounts of money into it and then he could take money out of it, I think, to the tune of $1 or $2 million per year for every year of his retirement. So it's got this flexibility uh, that that you don't have with some of the traditional uh, sort of mainstream Roth IRA types of types of accounts. That's awesome. And were there any other strategies you feel like our listeners should know about, either products or tactics, lifestyle moves, or strategies to help lower or even get to that zero bracket now and in the future? Yeah, a lot of people think that hey, tax rates are going up, so I should get every last dollar out of my tax deferred bucket and into the tax free bucket. That's not necessarily the case. You want to have some money in there because when you retire, even if you don't have any other deductions left, you're still going to have that standard deduction. So uh, the standard deduction, if you retire today, is twenty four thousand eight hundred dollars, which basically means that you can realize income from any number of sources up to twenty four thousand eight hundred dollars without paying any tax at all, and that historically has been indexed to keep up with inflation. So if you're retiring 15 years from now, you're going to have closer to 38 to $40,000 of deductions, which means you could experience, you could, you could take money out of your IRA up to $40,000 per year without paying any tax at all. So uh, the last thing you want to do is get everything shifted from tax deferred to tax free and have paid all that tax along the way and then have a standard deduction that's just sitting idle in retirement that you can't utilize at all. So I would say that, you know, if you're married, you don't have a pension or any other source of residual income, have about 350000 in your tax deferred bucket. And if you're single, it's about half that amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to say that one more time for our listeners, it's okay to have tax deferred buckets uh, in your overall portfolio if it's up to a certain magic number uh, if as long as that standard deduction is there for you and it's the only stream of tax deferred money that you experience in retirement, you stay under that standard deduction limit and you're able to pull that money out and then deduct it. Am I hearing you right there? Yep. And if you if you keep that threshold of about 350000 in your IRAs or 401ks, then um, it's not going to violate the provisional income thresholds, which cause your social security to be taxed. So now you're in a position where you're taking RMDs out of your 
uh, out of your IRAs tax-free and your social security doesn't get taxed, which is a pretty big deal because a lot of people lose five to $7,000 per year due to social security taxation. So you get to keep that invested over the balance of your retirement. makes a big deal. Now, uh, there's been, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd know where you'd land on the recent CARES Act and CARES Part 2. Uh, it seems like the Care Bears are just multiplying right now uh, in Congress. Uh, uh-huh. But what about the the SECURE Act and also the recent other recent uh, regulations that have come through, the elimination of the stretch IRA, for example. Where do you land on that? Oh, that was a big deal. I think it was a huge cash grab on the part of the IRS. You know, for your listeners, it used to be that when you when you died, uh, your non-spouse beneficiaries like your children uh, could stretch those um, those RMDs out over their own life expectancy, which means they're just paying a little bit of tax every year. Well, now the big, big deal with the SECURE Act is that the IRS is now forcing you to realize uh, that in that 100% of that IRA, realize it as income over a 10-year period. So just to put this into perspective for your listeners, if you had a million dollars growing at 6.5% per year and your, and your kids inherit it, they're going to have to spend down $140,000 per year for 10 years, and they're going to have to pay tax probably at the apex of their earning years when they can least afford to pay the tax at a period in time when tax rates are likely to be much, much higher than they are today. They're going to kiss, I mean, kiss goodbye to at least 50, at least 50% of that IRA. And, um, and, in this, and the same holds true with a Roth IRA. I mean, the good news is that you paid the tax on that Roth IRA um, before you, you pass it on to the next generation. But the IRS says, hey, we want to get that money back into circulation. So we're going to force your heirs to distribute it. They're, you're going to have to put it back in your taxable bucket where you're going to have to start paying tax on it if it grows each and every year. And so, uh, you know, they've been really, really sort of sneaky in all of this legislation because I think they see the handwriting on the wall that things aren't going well. They need to find uh, uh, massive sources of new revenue to bail them out of their problems. And so uh, the SECURE Act uh, fortunately, there's some strategies that people can do between now and when they die to effectively defang all of the negative consequences of that act. Um, and that's why you and I have a job, right? No, you bet. Yeah, it keeps us busy for sure. You know, some people are concerned about inflation. And you brought that word up earlier, you know, with all the money printing that is happening right now. And that's exactly what it is. Uh, the Federal Reserve has put more money into circulation than we've ever seen in our lifetimes in a faster period of time than ever before. Uh, can we just inflate our way out of this tax problem? What do you say to that? Yeah, a lot of people, I think it's going to be a combination of things. I think they're going to inflate, they're going to attempt to inflate their way out of them. But then what they're going to realize is that we're required by law to index Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid to inflation. So as they print more money, um, you know, the cost of funding those programs increases commensurately. So uh, as, you know, as they print more money, then the, 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 the cost of paying for all of these unfunded obligations starts to go up as well. Uh, in our movie, The Power of Zero, The Tax Train is Coming, we actually interviewed a um, professor from uh, UCAL Berkeley who explained exactly that. Uh, these mm-hmm. things are tied to inflation. So you drive inflation up through the printing of more money, you're driving the cost of these programs. So you don't, it's like a dog chasing his tail. You don't ever really solve the problem. Wow. Yeah. Or yeah, the, the dog chasing its tail is a great analogy for this. You know, one other question that sometimes my listeners come to me with is reverse mortgages. Uh, I don't know if uh, we've never really done many shows on that topic. 
And David, I'm not an expert in it uh, by any means. I don't, you know, uh, have that service in our firm directly. But I'm curious what you think as another stream of tax-free money. For those that don't don't know, can you explain what is a reverse mortgage? Two, is that a smart or additional stream of tax-free income? And uh, yeah, what, how do you evaluate uh, the reverse mortgage space at this point? I think, I, you know, I'm not an expert on reverse mortgages either, but I think it could be a really interesting complement to everything we've talked about today. And here's why, um, you know, they interview kids, you know, uh, millennials and, and, and uh, Gen Xs, and they say, hey, how many of you guys want to inherit your parents' house? And you know what it is? It's 1%. There's only 1%. It's always but, one guy in the back of the room. It's always yeah. one dude who says, "Hey, yeah, I love that house," and you know, um, you know, I, I saw that movie *Knives Out*, and it seemed like all the kids wanted the house. Um, <laughs> maybe that was just an outlier or something. Um, but most people don't want their parents' houses. So what do we do? We do just the opposite. We, uh, you know, our parents spend all of their money um, that could be easily passed to the next generation, and then what do they do? They leave the house, and then we have to go. Uh, sell the house. We usually sell it at a fire sale because we don't really have the patience to really go through this long protracted selling process. So we uh, we we get we we sell it at a fire sale, and, and and so that ends up turning out to be a really bad deal for everybody. Let's flip that on its head and say, why don't we? Why why don't our parents or why don't you know baby boomers live off the equity in their house? allow the rest of their assets to continue to grow and compound over time, let that money be passed on to the next generation. So by the time they die, they've effectively spent all of the equity in the house and you know, uh, then you can deal with it at that point. But then there's much more money to go into the next generation and you don't have to worry about sticking your kids with a house that they then uh, have to go ahead and sell probably at, uh, at a loss, right? Yeah, right. No, and, and just for listeners who've never heard of this before, this is a government-approved program. It's uh, insured by the Heckam loan. Uh, so unlike the old infomercials you might have seen 20 years ago, it's a more legitimate source of capital. In fact, Wade Fowl, a PhD in, in retirement research, Wade Fowl, has written several really good books on reverse mortgages, the more modernized forms. The way it works is for 30 years, let's say you're paying down your mortgage and then you, you decide you want to live there for 20, 30 more years in, in retirement. So now the bank buys your house back from you on a monthly schedule and you get 2000 bucks a month income tax-free or whatever your number is, right? And you receive that as grocery money or retirement money any way you wish. And then whenever you decide to move out slash pass away, uh, your kids get the remaining equity. They get the first right to buy the house back or they just get the check for the remaining equity that the parents hadn't spent. Uh, and that's essentially how the reverse mortgage works. If I'm understanding right, David, is that your understanding too? Uh, you sound like you know much more about it than I do. Okay. <laughs> um, you, you actually sound well, like you're, you're really, I, I did a podcast this, on this once where I interviewed a, a nationally recognized um, you know, reverse mortgage expert um, so it's definitely not my sweet spot, but I, I do know that I would much rather, you know, given the choice between inheriting money and a house, um, you know, let that money grow and compound over time, uh, live off of the equity as it were. And I think mathematically, the numbers just are going to work out much better for everybody. Well, there you go. And it sounds like you and I found the, the topic for our book we could write together then for the next, the next tax-free income stream. I think it's another tool in the tool belt to help us protect ourselves, those multiple streams of tax-free income. 
that we can draw on. Uh, as we wrap up, what are some ways people can dive deeper into this mindset? I think for a lot of folks, it's a wake-up call. It's a clarion call uh, to, to get out of Dodge, so to speak, with, the, with their money. How can we learn more? Where can you send our listeners to find more resources about what, you're, what all you have to offer? Sure. I think there's three, three different things they can look at. Certainly take a look at um, my book, uh, The Power of Zero. Um, I think that's, that's sort of tax-free planning 101. Um, t- take a look at uh, our, our documentary. You know, uh, Doug Orchard, uh, film director, and I, we barnstormed across the country in 2018, uh, you know, interviewing all of the major experts on, on the future of tax rates and the future of the national debt. We interviewed George Schultz, former Secretary of State, University of Utah, um, sorry, the governor of Utah, uh, Gary Herbert. We interviewed Ed Slott. We interviewed Tom Hegna. We interviewed uh, David Walker, Larry Kotlick. These are all like at the top of their fields as it relates to this stuff. And they're all looking at the same music and they're all singing the same song. They're saying, look, tax rates have to rise dramatically or we go broke as a country. That is a that movie is a wake-up call. Um, I, I, would, I would recommend reading it, reading it. I would recommend watching it. I think it's a great way to really bone up on a lot of this stuff. And if you're not convinced tax rates are going up, it's a great way to really uh, turn the corner on that. And then finally, uh, I would say, you know, take a listen to my podcast, The Power of Zero Show. We go over all of these different, uh, all of these different topics in much more depth. Uh, we're up to about 80 episodes, so we've been doing it a little, a little over a year and a half. And I think there's just a lot of good stuff. If you really want to focus on the LIRP, there's an episode in there on that. If you want to focus on, should I do a, a Roth 401k, there's an episode on that. So um, yeah, I think those are the three resources I would point people towards. Well, it, you've, you've got plenty out there for those willing to listen and learn and tumble down the rabbit hole, as it were. So uh, David, thank you for your time and for kind of giving us a uh, a fresh perspective, one that's probably long overdue. And you've been, you know, beating the drum for 20 years. And I think for a lot of folks, they're just starting to hear that beat. So thank you for what you're doing and uh, look forward to seeing what all happens in the years to come. Well, thank you, Mark. It's been an honor to be on your show and I appreciate you having me. Well, guys, another powerful interview. And thank you again, David, for taking some time to be with us on our show together today have a few very quick takeaways, and then we'll wrap up today's episode. The first takeaway, you know, it's just pretty clear to me that we cannot just inflate our way out of this debt, since many of our government programs are tied to inflation. You know, that was kind of a wake-up call for me. A lot of folks think we can just wash away all of our sins and our problems by just printing more money, and even with inflation, maybe getting rid of the problem. But it's sort of like a dog chasing its own tail. Taxes are bound to go up in the future. The second thing I took away was looking into reverse mortgages as another stream of tax-free income, along with bank-on-yourself type whole life insurance and Roth IRAs to just complement the portfolio of tax-free income in retirement. We may have an upcoming episode on that coming up someday in the future. All tax-deferred money is not wrong or evil. That was another takeaway I had. In fact, there's a perfect amount that you should keep in your tax-deferred bucket in order to take advantage of the standard deduction. As long as you take out only a certain amount of income out of your 401k or IRA, even though you're taking out taxable money out of your 401k or IRA in retirement, you could still be underneath that standard deduction and still be in the 0% tax bracket. So the only problem I see with this is, quite honestly, we don't know the standard deduction amount, what it's going to be in the future. Heck, maybe Congress eliminates the standard deduction altogether. 
So we're back to needing that crystal ball. Uh, so as we wrap up the episode, just like we started, keep your eye on the future and do your very best to make plans according to what you think the future is going to be. Nobody's got that crystal ball, at least not that I'm aware of. If you've got it, I'll send you my email address, mailing address. You can send it my way. All right, guys, let's wrap up today's episode. We do have a very cool listener shout out. These are five-star reviews that I just can't wait to share with the whole audience. And this one is with Jay Thiel. Thank you, Jay, for your five-star review. You write, best financial advice ever. This is, without a doubt, the best financial advice I've ever received. I feel a significant weight lifted from my shoulders, knowing how to pay into a financial system that will always grow no matter what's happening in the stock market. This is significant, not only to me and my future, but my family and each of their futures as well. Boy, Jay, that's quite a review. Thank you. What an honor to be working with you. And also thank you for sharing your thoughts to the wide public audience as well. And thank you everybody for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, your taxes, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.